A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work Life and Balance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. We'll be addressing some audience questions and taking on a few issues from the internet. But first, time for the daily stand-up. What you got for me, Frank? Today, Derek, I'd like to talk about, well, it's March. And Uh we know that March is a time for madness. I have heard that. Uh, It's never really, it's never, the the fever, whatever whatever madness is, is, has never quite reached me. Um, But I've heard tale. Maybe you could describe it a little bit better for me. Well, I, I'm not sure exactly what sort of madness everybody else gets, but <laughs> I managed to find, and, and I have realized why I found it, but at the time, I kind of stumbled across the most buck-wild fucking thing I had ever seen in my life. That's a bold claim. It, like... it is a bold claim, but I'm going to stand by it. It is a <laughs> 1969 anime called Dororo. Uh-huh. Have you uh, heard it, of this? I, until recently, no, I hadn't heard of Dororo, um, because it just hadn't come up on my radar. Uh, but I believe it's Osamu uh, Tezuka, isn't it? Um, it is. And, like, I had not really heard of it. I'd seen, like, some other stuff like Astro Boy. But then uh, they actually recently rebooted, like, just a few weeks ago, started started playing a new series right. of a rebooted Dororo. Um, so then I... That's when I learned what it was, but I still haven't seen it. So I I didn't know why this suddenly crossed my path, but I guess some algorithms or whatever had picked up on the new one. And I I hadn't heard about it until (laughs) I had to look it up because I was Uh just, I was clicking around and I saw this and I was like, man, I've never heard of this. This looks old. And then, you know, like the cover art comes up and I'm like, man, this is some, this is some classic Astro Boy style shit with you know right. very way back in the day yeah way back in the day the very round features and um uh, yeah it's a very stylistic uh sort of thing that he's got going on absolutely and uh, and this is specifically osamu uh tezuka who right yeah, he's got a very distinct style but that style also says to me like 1960s kid cartoon Right, because, I mean, that's basically what it was. Like, there weren't a lot of people in the anime game in 1969. So, you know, a lot of of the stuff that was out back then was Osamu Tezuka. And, you know, he has a very, very distinct style. Like, everything that he has has that similar flair to it. Right. Or that similar, like like I said, roundness. Yeah, it's got it's got a roundness to it. the 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 eyes are all gigantic with with enormous you know, enormous eyes with huge <laughs> lashes coming off of right. them, and they look very cartoon character. Betty Boop esque, if I yeah, were to say, it, it's definitely Betty Boop. And the animation style coming from that you know decade is similar to other cartoons that have come out of those decades, like right. Looney Tunes and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's got that same uh, sort of motion feel due to the the number of frames per second and, and stuff like that. Right. So I'm just like, hmm, I don't know what this is. I'll click on it. So I start watching it. Sight unseen, have absolutely <laughs> no idea what the fuck this is. The old one or the new one? The old one. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, okay, it's, it's definitely stylish, and I'm liking uh-huh. it. It's 1960s. It's got... Those round features, the characters are being animated with with that kind of broad stroke cartoon action where it's like right. if someone is running very fast, their legs just become a little circle under them. 
<laughs> Do they really? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All the characters have like these gigantic features, you know, like huge bulbous nose and, and right. you know, they look like Popeye and, and things like that. And I'm like, I wonder what the hell this is. And this dude is walking along and then there's a bunch of samurai and stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, what's going to go on? <laughs> and then his fucking arms fly off. Uh-huh. Turning into gigantic swords. And he just starts decapitating and slicing people in half. <laughs> in like photorealistic like, boy, this- fucking detail. Like they are. Right. This is lovingly constructed detail. And I'm just sitting here like. This is the most metal goddamn thing I have ever seen, and yet it's it's in this Astro Boy esque sort of meme. Right, right. It, it's absolutely something that you would not see inside of his normal works, like Astro Boy. Um, but like he basically takes everything from Astro Boy and just adds like gore. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is buck wild. <laughs> I I was just sitting there with my mouth open, going, "This is the most insane fucking thing I have ever seen in my life." And even the story is metal as hell. Like the basic story of this is like dude's um, dad decides to sacrifice, you know, his unborn child to 48 demons to get control of uh, Shogunate Japan. And then the kid is born as a blob that has nothing. It's just like a flesh nugget. And I'm like, no skin, no face, no arms, like can't see, can't hear, nothing. I'm like, completely nothing. This is some hardcore metal (laughs) shit, man. This is, it is, this is freaking my bean a little bit. It is, it is fucking rough to begin with. Oh boy. I'm just like, wow. And then there, like that is the the person who you know that that character is not actually the the title character. The title character Dororo is like this six year old thief, and so it's a little kid. You know, right. it's drawn to be a little kid. Is actually a little kid, and it's there's just people beating the shit out of this kid. Like right, dude, the kid like enormously first, first violently. Episode. Yeah, first right. episode, like right off the bat, they're just like. We're going to lovingly detail render some people just beating the shit out of a small child. And I'm like, wow, okay, we've got some different sensibilities in 1960s Japan than we do right. today. Yeah. So, so yeah, this, this little kid gets a shit beat out of him. And, you know, so uh, the, the actual, you know, the, the son of the, the shogun, like, war, warlord, uh, his name was uh, Hyakimaru or Hakimaru, uh, excuse me, Hayaki Maru. Um, and he, he was born without like anything, but like you, you at least, so, so let me say this. So my exposure has been from the new anime and just, just thinking about it for a second. Like I can imagine how unbelievably weird that dichotomy must be because in the the new one, in the new one, it's, it's drawn like a normal, like shonen anime. Like it's right. like it's got like you know, Dororo is like an adorable little kid who's still getting the shit beat out of him. But it looks by all by all other measures to be a normal shonen anime. So like when people start getting chopped up, like it's not surprising so much. Yeah, it's um, not like someone just spit roasted Popeye, right? <laughs> but like imagining that super cartoony, uh. Just like a complete Astro Boy feel, and then all of a sudden to see people just start getting sliced up left and right, uh, that's that would be a weird dichotomy, uh, I think. And not not to go too far into baseball for folks that haven't seen this, but I I also looked at the ni- uh, the 2019 one because I, uh-huh. I was curious, and the first episodes are are, are kind of similar. So there's that right. point where there's like the the group of uh, thugs that are, are beating up Dororo and start to drown Dororo in the in the river. <laughs> yes, yeah, stra- straight up trying to kill this yeah, kid. straight like... up trying to murder a child. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're going to go hard real fast in this thing. <laughs> Just right out the gate. So the, the big burly guy that is in that scene is drawn, again, in kind of this, 
this super cartoon style with the bulbous nose and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're, they're similar in, in structure. You can definitely tell that they intended these to be the same person just right. in a different, uh, you know, art style. Mm-hmm. In that one, he doesn't just get like sucked up by the river monster. The uh-huh. river monster melts him <laughs> in again, Jesus. lovingly rendered close up detail of the flesh <laughs> melting off of this fucker's bones and then near photorealistic like skull. Wow. Of this guy who looks a lot more real, like it's a much more realistic skull than the face that happened to be attached to that fucker beforehand. And uh, yeah, like in the, in the new one, they're like, man, that's, that's a little too graphic. We're just going, yeah, I don't have him get eaten by the monster. I think they must have gone like scene by scene and like they had, they had two piles, like they had stuff we're going to keep and stuff that just is, is kind of unnecessarily graphic. And like, okay, heads getting chopped off, you know, not, not too bad. It, it adds some flair. We'll keep that in the, you know, in the we're okay pile guy melting in photorealistic detail. Let's put that, you know what? Just, we'll put that in the maybe pile. We'll put that we'll to come the back side to it later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, it oh was my just, God. it's just the wildest thing to have seen those things side by side. Now looking it and, up, and you know, it's, it's not that I haven't seen worse. Like there, there's some other anime that are by far more graphic like you know berserk and other such like super brutal shonen anime there are there are many of them but uh but to to realize that this was you know originally a concept and and done by osamu tezuka like who who everybody knows is just like they know him for astro boy that's what most people think of and then to to realize that <laughs> the guy that made one of the most beloved anime from the 60s also made one of the most brutal animes of the same time like it's a weird dichotomy yeah and and like i had i had started doing a little bit of research because i don't like to necessarily come completely unprepared (laughs) and there were a few episodes of astro boy that didn't air in the u.s port because Uh there were there were a few things in there that you know the american sensibilities were like no i think we're gonna go ahead and skip this like that one episode apparently had like an operation being performed on a dog for experiment's sake or something. And Mm. and they're like, Mm -hmm. no, we can't show that in America. And it actually offended Tezuka because he's like, (laughs) you get all or nothing. Yeah. Or a little bit just kind of like, you're going to come back on us about that when y'all do the shit that you do. All right. right. Which, which I mean, Fair point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we, this was in the sixties, like less than a generation from when we nuked the fuck out of Japan. So like there were some hurt feelings on some of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was a different time, I guess, to, in some respects. And <laughs> let's hopefully it stays a different time. There's some uncertainty about that going forward, but uh, let's uh, hope that. we can keep this timeline from repeating mistakes but if if you want your being completely freaked as i said go back and watch i think it's on uh prime right now and you can find it in a couple of other places but watch the original 1960s version of that and it's just it is (laughs) i'll I'll have to comfortable the sort of (laughs) the detail (laughs) yeah just the detail where it's like you know, Dororo comes running by and his little legs are, have become a circle and he goes running past like very detailed renderings of some dead, rotting, starving people. And I'm like, right. <laughs> just pulling no punches. Man, we just, you're not even going to necessarily address the fact that these two <laughs> things are in completely different animated styles. Are we, are we, that's, right. we're just not going to address that at all. Like we've got, <laughs> There's no unity of style here. We're going to take all the brutal shit and we're going to put that in this interesting photorealistic style. And then the characters are going to have the giant eyes with the humongous eyelashes coming off of them. And they're, they're all going to look like they're very happy and perky and like butterflies <laughs> are going to come by at any moment. I, I feel 
I feel that there was at least, you know, a couple of generations of Japanese kids that like I, I don't know if if people just thought they could handle more or if like they knew that they could handle more and didn't need to be coddled like we we kind of do in America. Um, but there were a few generations where like you didn't have to like you couldn't see a penis or a vagina, but anything other than that was pretty much carte blanche. Like you could show like gore. I mean, I mean Let's, I guess they kept it tasteful, I suppose. Um, I mean, this but, wasn't fucking tasteful, I'll tell you that right now. I watched it and was kind of like, man. <laughs> like, just, I'm, put you off your feet. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man. I think I'm going to put this ham sandwich down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think Japanese kids were were or are a little more durable than uh, than people think American kids are. Which, I mean, fair point, like... I remember watching like some anime when I was, you know, like, like 10 or 11. And, uh, I, I think it was like Vampire Hunter D or something. And yeah, that, that's like, a little real. And like playing it thinking, oh, you know, this is a, a, this is a cartoon, but it's, it's different than a normal cartoon. Watch like most of it and like pause it halfway through while I was just like, Huddled in a ball, thinking, <laughs> "Oh God, this this is not something for children." Like, why why did I watch this? <laughs> but uh, may, maybe they're right. Maybe maybe American kids are are coddled <laughs> and have been uh, their their brains are too sensitive for those type of things. I guess you can you can get over a lot of stuff. Like I read 1984 when I was like eight. Can I say that explains a lot? Like, I, I think it might actually do. Yeah, I was reading like 1984 and Animal Farm and shit. And uh-huh. in my defense, when I picked it up, the title didn't necessarily say a novel. So I thought it was, and I remember this clearly, I picked it up going, oh, I think this is the Guinness Book of World Records from 1984. <laughs> oh, whoops. And then, yeah, that was not a kid's book. All right. Want to get to a uh, an audience question? Hit me with it. I have a coworker who does maybe 10% of a project, and I'm being generous here, while I do almost all of it, and he takes credit for all my work during our weekly company-wide meetings. I can't necessarily stop doing my share of the work, or I'd be creating problems for myself to rush and get things done. How do I deal with this credit thief? Sent in by Adri. Uh, I'll make a note that I, that while you were tart talking about this credit thief, I literally just wrote down the word murder and underlined it a couple of times. I mean, that, that is one solution, generally a frowned upon solution in multiple, uh, multiple directions. Like HR is not going to like it. So the, the thing about murder is that sure, like, I guess across the board, you can say murder you know, maybe not your first option, maybe not always the best option, but, uh, just because, just because you kill him doesn't mean you're going to go to jail. There are justifiable homicides and I think you've got a decently strong case. That's all I'm saying. I don't disagree. Yeah. Cause there's <laughs> nothing I hate more than a credit thief. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, okay. I think credit thief and hot pocket thief are probably... Very close to the same level, but I will agree. A credit thief is is a, is a different animal because you, know, you have poured your your sweat, your anxiety, as the case is probably more more appropriately put, um, into this work, and all of a sudden, you know, at this meeting where and I'm I'm assuming that that you can't just like during the meeting stop it and say, wait, 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 this bastard just claimed all of our work that belongs to the entire team type of thing. Um, that, that's difficult. Although, it, yeah. you know, I think it's difficult because most people have the social anxiety that's going to keep them from making those waves. Like there's, there's <laughs> if not by most really. people. You mean me? You're right. <laughs> well, Derek, I think we should be uh, buddies on a couple of projects coming up. Uh-huh. Because I, you are afraid to, you're not afraid to say those things or because you would love to take my, Ah, now I get it. You want to take credit for the things that I do. I see. And I know for a fact that you won't say anything about it. That's true. But but 
as we talked about before, you are you are typically uh, you you know the power that you possess, but you wield it very responsibly. And I, I try. feel that is that is a an irresponsible use of your power. Um, you you don't want to go for easy targets. You want to hunt. You don't want to feed. Exactly. So, but, uh, what kind of kid were you? Were you, you know, in the group projects in in school and college? Oh, you, absolutely. You were the kid that did everything. I, I yes, I was. I was the child, uh, and all the way up to, like you said, college. Like I would be the one that that no matter what, like even if people were slacking, I would, I would do as much work as needed to be done in order for us to get a good grade because I did not have, <laughs> I don't know whether it's like personal fortitude or I didn't, I just didn't want to disappoint people. So like I wasn't willing to take a bad grade. So yes, I would, I would work overtime. I would put in a lot of extra effort and you know, one person did the work four people take the credit. I'm fuming on the inside, but on the outside, I'm like, thank God nobody, nobody dis- was disappointed in me. See, I I was not necessarily the kid that that pulled everything during during the group project. Okay, I had a couple of experiences that sort of kept me from being that person. One of them was where there was a group project. And I, I've spoken before the fact that I, I didn't grow up rural, but it was rural adjacent. Right. It, it was I, northern rural. Right. I could see I could see the boondocks from my backyard, as it were. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we had a group project in high school, and I was going over to the person's house who um, was gathering all the people to do the group project. Mm-hmm. And in trying to get to their house, I got stuck in the mud. That's how it be sometimes, Derek. Not not my physical body, but my vehicle. Oh my god. I, I'm sorry. I just have the, the image of like Frank Eastman the, the the way you look now, but scale down to like a ten side a ten year old version of you, like walking to somewhere and just like stepping into a mud puddle and sinking up to your knees and just being like I guess I live here now. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> that is the funniest fucking thing I've heard all day. Like, this. <laughs> it took me 10 oh. years to get out of that mud hole, Derek. But eventually I did. Back to the, the you know, why I started telling the story of my getting stuck in the mud hole. <laughs> Everybody else had to complete this group project without me. Uh-huh. And I didn't necessarily feel overly guilty about not being present because I was like, there was there was not a fuck lot I could do. You know, I wasn't just off playing around. I was legitimately stuck and prevented from prevented from arriving to to do the, my part of the group project. Right. And one of the people on the group project was that person who is the person that's going to make sure that the group project happens, even if they're the only person that does any work on it. Sure. And so there's always got to be one. Honestly, every group has one of those people, you know, lest all other group projects would fail. Yeah. So it was mostly, I will say it was mostly this one person's effort. And then I think there was supposed to be four of us working on it. I was stuck. They were doing most of the work. One other person showed up and was honestly had been hoping to ride some coattails. And Uh that's always an unfortunate (laughs) position when you're like, I'm just going to coast. Ah, oh, shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then one other person who was, you know, honestly just faffing off. They just, they were like, no, nah, I'm not going to bother to show up. So right. somebody else had to pull the weight and I didn't pull any of the weight and I got the credit and I was like, <laughs> Jack, so this is, so this is what that's like. <laughs> you learned, you learned how sweet that could be. I, this is a flavor that I was not accustomed to. <laughs> All these many years of eating the vanilla, and I have now tried the Rocky Road. Oh, uh, I, I can see that being truly and deeply formative for you, Frank. Um, but in this person's case, I how do we prevent this person from from? It seems like they do this all the time. They they take credit for the work. At every weekly meeting, how do you 
how do they consistently keep getting away with it? That's my question. Because obviously even, you need to throw them in a mud hole. Even as non-confrontational as I am, like I think after, I don't know, maybe the 10th time this happened, I might be like, Hey, you're claiming that you did all the work when really it was both of us. Let's, let's talk about that. I, I think I would eventually get to that point. Um, why right. Why would this person not just, like, have a conversation about that? As I said, like, fear of social awkwardness keeps a lot of people from doing things that they definitely should do. Uh-huh. So a solution that does not involve being socially awkward and having, you know, conversations <laughs> with people. I'm very interested in, the, if, in this solution. It's actually going to be more difficult because you're going to have to do the project twice. And one of the times, you do it wrong. Okay. And then you do it because you're doing most of the work anyway. So, you know, on the one that you're working with uh, with the thief, you specifically introduce a lot of errors. So it's going okay. to go sideways when it gets presented. And then mm. you do it correctly on your own and back channel that shit to the boss. <laughs> Oh, I, I like this for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, specifically with software that could be done fairly easily in that meeting. I want as many like bold red flags as possible. Like I want this person to look like a fool for demoing this, this product that they had no part in actually constructing. Um, I, I mean, the good news is if they're only putting in 10% most of the time, they're probably not going to be knowledgeable enough about it to catch any of the bullshit that you put in there. Absolutely. But, but yes, I, I think that the, the right answer here is if you, if, <laughs> if talking to this person is not something that you feel will work or that you are socially equipped to do, then you need to sabotage. I, I think... That's the only other answer. I mean, my my first, I still stick by my first and best answer of murder, but if if you want to go with the slightly less permanent option, then sabotage. Let's do an issue from the internet. All right, this one is titled "Having Lunch at Home" by Radwin. I live near my em employer's office. All I need to do to reach home is walk for five minutes. I will say, like that already puts it. That's about I four would not and a half be... minutes longer than I want to walk. Exactly. I was about to say. Uh, to get straight to the point, I prefer having lunch at home. It costs me way less money than going to restaurants. Uh, I can eat healthy. I... <laughs> Let me redo that, that sentence. Uh, I can eat healthy, prepared food, and I'm able to attend to my home. Which, I mean, I, I guess it means, like, clean dishes and shit. Uh my colleagues take it badly when I don't have lunch with them. My team leader actually sees this behavior as one of a person who's not well integrated into the team. She even started making unnecessary rem remarks about it. I currently go home during lunchtime about once or twice every two weeks. Though infrequent, this causes issues. How can I deal with this situation? How can I express my needs correctly? Now, I will say, when you started reading and we uh -huh. got to the I can go home and eat healthy... Uh-huh. I was behind the microphone doing the jerk-off gesture. <laughs> but then we moved forward to the I do this once every two weeks and my team lead is getting piss about it. <laughs> it's all about perspective. It like, is. Like, it moved the window over enough where I'm like, hmm, that is weird. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, yes, if somebody literally goes home every single day because of the reasons of, you know, healthy food or, you know, just have shit to do around the house and don't want to go to restaurants, like, maybe that, that can be like, okay, you need to integrate with the team a little bit more. If if everyone wants to, wants to eat out, maybe try to try to make a habit of, of doing it once in a while. But this is literally the opposite of this person, like, maybe once every couple of weeks, like four times a month, tops. Uh, they're eating lunch at home and people are freaking the fuck out. Like, yeah, that's bizarre. Either this person <laughs> is lying, which is, I suppose possible. <laughs> it is the internet. And sometimes people do that. Although I don't believe rare. 
<laughs> I mean, so on on probably one of my on one of my best integrated teams, like folks on the team would go out to eat a lot. I would uh-huh. I would say, but even then, it was like maybe once a week or so, right? And I don't go out to eat a lot. That's just like a thing with me, especially like work lunches and stuff mostly mm-hmm. uh cuz I'm lazy. I that I'm not even funny like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, where where it's like hey totally. let's go to lunch and I'm like we got an hour and it's going to take me 10 minutes to walk to my car so we've got 20 minutes worth of walking for a 1 hour <laughs> lunch then we got to drive, we got to park. I just can't put up with that kind of pressure guys like And I would regularly be like, everybody's going to lunch. And I would say, no, nah, it's all right. Thanks. You know, thanks for the invite. But I've got lunch that I'm just going to eat here. And I usually packed my lunch. Sure. But I would, on occasion, and it was a studied, measured occasion, I would say every third time someone would say, hey, do you want to go out and get something to eat? I would say yes, just so that I maintained sort of that that open integration with the team. Right. And I mean that that's a decent way to handle it. I, I I think that does present some issues with people like maybe gaming your system of like, hey Frank, you want to go to lunch? No. Hey Frank, you want to go out to lunch? No. Hey Frank, you want to go out to lunch? Yes. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't let people know my system, but okay, yeah. okay, it, it's a it's a secret system. Okay, so it's a that'll secret keep system. Them, that'll keep them from exploiting the 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 glitch in the system, but uh, but yeah, I mean. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like I I do enjoy people. Like I've said it multiple times. I enjoy people, but like I am in so many meetings where I have to talk to people that like the thought of going out with my team and like fraternizing at lunch, I mean, just from like a like a a, a social mental exertion point of it, like it just it just is not conducive. Like I now I'm on a team where nobody talks to anybody. It's great. Like, <laughs> like we, well, I don't think we've ever, we've gone to lunch. I've been on the team for almost a year. We've literally, literally been to, been to lunch twice. Yeah. In the last year, I think I've gone out to lunch with anyone from the office twice. And both of those times were my boss within the first two weeks of my starting. <laughs> but I think I have a solution for this okay. person. What you need to do is find some sort of rank food that no one else on the team likes. And it it might take a little bit of trial and error. You might, you know, have to say, hey, let's all go down to the vegan root bar or something where it's just root-based vegetables. Oh, God. Oh. And and when everybody else is like, no, that's okay, I don't want to go there, you're like, all right, cool. And then... Once a week or so, you're like, hey, everybody, let's go down to Vicky's Vegan Root Bar and <laughs> and get lunch. And when everybody else is like, no, that's okay, you'll be like, all right, I suppose, you know, if the rest of you don't want to come, that's fine. And then you walk your happy ass home and eat something. Okay, so it's, it is setting up the illusion that you are participating and... And doing the right thing by engaging your team in that way. But in reality, you are, you're setting up a a false choice for them that that there's no way it's, there's, there's very little chance of them ever accepting it. Exactly. The only problem I, and I, I think this is, this is the risk, one of the riskiest things that we've said on this podcast, because what if they say yes? What if, what if they're like, you know what? I've decided to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to not hate on vegan food. Let's all go. We've, we've said no so many times. Let's go to your favorite place this time. And so everybody decides to go to the vegan root bar. Then you, then you you have to go to the vegan root bar. I was going to say into everyone's (laughs) life, a little raw turmeric tuber stew must fall. Oh, I mean, and 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 the problem is it's going to be like $30. So like 
I I don't know if I could risk that. I I, mean, I I'm it's, being... it's a roll of the dice. I get you. I get you. But it it's I'm just putting it out there as an option. I guess it's I guess it's, it's low option. risk, low reward, um, and you know the the opposite of high risk, high reward. This this has the this has the chance of buying you all the leeway you will ever need, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it carries the highest risk of failing. Sometimes that's just how life be. Uh, I'm thinking the the other option is that you just turn your house into a small restaurant. Okay. And you you just invite the team over. You make that healthy, tasty food for everyone. I mean, legitimately, like that's not like the the worst option. I mean, you know, so you get to set your own prices. So you could possibly you know make some decent. Uh, extra scratch. Um, you know, y- you don't have to change the menu for them. You just have to cook a little extra. Uh, I, I, I think this isn't this isn't too bad. Uh, the only play, the only thing I would be concerned with is you know, then you do have people coming to your home, which I don't know about you. That's not exactly my favorite thing, but you know. The Dude. only thing I can think of to solve that particular part of the problem, Derek, is you need a second apartment. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, so after a couple of these of these leaps, I think what you're what you're saying is that they should get a sec- another apartment and literally just open up their own restaurant. Like, yeah, and I guess it's going to be hard to get the appropriate zoning, and so maybe not a second apartment. You're just going to end up having to own a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only way to get out of this. You have to open your own restaurant and <laughs> and treat that like your home. <laughs> I will say there there was a restaurant in one of the um, office parks around here. Mm-hmm. And and we had discovered it, uh, I think, because of Groupon. You remember Groupon, that thing that people were really into five years ago? Uh-huh. <laughs> and we had gotten a Groupon for this restaurant. Okay, cool. Well, then we started looking into the restaurant, and the restaurant was in an office park, in an office. Right. Like, it was- In the building. A converted office. Well, the, the one that was in the, the building that used to be in- uh, that one was very similar, uh, except it was it was like even more bizarre because the the person that ran it, like I, I don't know how they got the building to agree to this, but they agreed to let them have you know that that little restaurant in there, but they wouldn't let them have any actual like cooking apparatuses. So like not even like a hot dog roller, like they 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 literally would only let them have like crock pots, like not even a fucking hot plate, and. So, uh, they, they had, it was a series of crock pots. Uh, so the macaroni and cheese was in a crock pot. The beef stew was in a crock pot. The hamburgers, you guessed it, cooked in a fucking crock pot. No. When you, when he pulled the, the, I have never in my life experienced a hamburger quite this texture. And I'm not saying that, like, I've been looking for that, but it's just, like, I have never experienced that texture again. Where, where it's have like, you been all my life? It was like, I don't know what this texture is. Like, I know this is beef. Why does it feel like some sort of, like, cornbread? Like, it was the weirdest, <sighs> weirdest texture ever. Yeah. It did not taste like a hamburger or anything. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not saying this is good. But occasionally, I will I will crave exactly this, and that's unfortunate. So with with that kind of thing, you know, there's the there's the making it work, where it's like, okay, they're only going to let us use uh, crockpots, so we're going to cook everything in crockpots, but we're going to have offerings that are usual offerings. Right. The next <laughs> level of that is you and you now have a concept restaurant. Right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Where you're, you know, the name of the restaurant is Krokpa. <laughs> and we only serve stews. I, I would think you could get like some really good fondues in there. Yeah. Um, like everything, everything is, is got to be 
you know, you, you have to be able to make it in a crock pot and then you serve it in the little tiny crock pots. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could totally get behind that, to be honest. Like, I, I would probably go. It's kind of like the melting pot, but like, you know, personal pan pizza sized. And I can get behind that. That's that's really cool. Um, I, I will say I will push back on them ever trying to do some sort of like hamburger-esque thing. Because that was that was an atrocity, the level the likes of which have not been seen in many many decades. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there's the you can laud someone for trying to make it work, but that's that's a lack of vision. Like, <laughs> you need to go beyond in order to really embrace the limitation. They they should have gone from from functional to inspirational. Exactly, it's uh, transformative that way. I'm I'm here for that, and now I kind of want to see. A crockpot based restaurant. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe we can be the wonderful things in in this life that we want to see. Maybe we can eventually start our own. Of course, uh, we may have to buy a few more crockpots because I've only got one. But uh, we can. <laughs> we can, let's start a GoFundMe for our own crockpot based restaurant. Uh, we will need the crockpots. We will need uh, to enough money to hire people who know how to cook with crockpots. <laughs> because I clearly don't. I... Um, let's see. Soccer moms from the 1980s. <laughs> it's good. It's good. They're probably pretty bored about now, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Want to get to an audience question, Derek? Let's do it. If QRSTUVWX... Then why Z from Sean at What Does It Matter? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> why Z, though, Derek? Why? So we discussed this uh, a few days ago, how uh, absurdist humor is not my strong suit. I think we have we have hit that roadblock. I mean, my my answer to this is... A, B, C, D. Short and sweet. Play with me, Derek. Play with me. I'm trying. I don't know how. Oh, okay. 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 All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm focused. Read the question one more time. If Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X... Then why Z? You know, and my my honest answer is because that's just the way the fucking song goes. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But who made this decision, Derek? Who put the alphabet in alphabetical order? I mean, that is a very valid question. Because, you know, literally from the, my earliest memories are saying the letters in a particular order. And it's gotten to the point where, like, that is literally the only order in which these letters can can be and be the alphabet. I guess, you know, words technically are those letters in other order, but that's that's, a, that's not what I mean. I mean that for reciting the alphabet, there is only one proper order. And like to the extent that whenever, <laughs> whenever you're pulled over by a policeman uh, to do a sobriety test, they will ask you to recite the alphabet forwards and backwards. And honestly, if we were living in a world where the alphabet was not the alphabet, uh, that would be a really weird question, wouldn't it? It would be a very weird question. And I can say this stone cold fucking sober. I would get pinched on one of those tests because I cannot do the alphabet backwards. I on, like I have never driven buzzed or drunk in my entire life. I've spent uh, I, I've probably like sat on a couch for an hour to be if if i had had like one drink i would sit on the couch for an hour before i left just to make sure like i've been ex extremely careful about not doing that um with that in mind i still i will occasionally practice the the, the field sobriety test that i know of <laughs> because the thing is like 
I'm never drunk when I drive. Therefore, I have to be absolutely sure that nobody thinks that I am. Because that would just, it would be, it would be a really bad look. Like, it'd be hard to, to prove. Like, it's like, sir, I'm, I'm a hundred percent stone cold sober. I'm just, I'm, I that's have what all memory. the drunkies say. Exactly. That, that's exactly what a drunk person would say. But like, I, I don't have a great memory. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I have fantastic coordination. Like the whole, like, uh, like if they, if, if they asked me to stick my arms out and lean my head back and close my eyes and not fall over, that'd be a bridge too far. Like <laughs> my, my balance very much so dependent on my vision. So that would be, I, I practice it in order to make sure that when the time comes, it never has, like I've never been asked to do a field sobriety test, but in the case that it does, I will be, <laughs> I will be able to rely on muscle memory to complete them. See, I guess, I guess you're one up on me, Derek. I just, at some point, accepted that my physical and mental capabilities were such that I probably shouldn't be operating a motor vehicle anyway. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about kind of the, the basis of the idea of an order to the alphabet, for some reason it kind of strikes me that it's kind of a, a similar thing to... Uh, like the Star Wars movies, how you have, you know, there is an order in which, you know, because they are, they are numbered by episode. So one through nine or 10 or whatever we're up to, you know, you assume that you should watch them in that order, but they have like all these weird, like fan-made orders about like the order in which you should watch them to get the best chronological understanding of the story uh, you know, to get the best experience out of the movies. And I feel, I feel something like that could probably be done to the alphabet, to be honest. Like, I don't know what I, it would look like, but I feel like you could put them in a better order. I mean, I, I think if we're going to do the Star Wars on it, because the appropriate order to watch Star Wars is four, five, six, and then you watch the Clone Wars cartoon... <laughs> And that's it. And then it. nothing else. <laughs> and that's it. So I think we do the same thing with the alphabet, and we just start, like, we're just going to jettison some letters. There's some shit in here that we don't need. There's there's literal chaff. Like, right. who needs X? We got other things that we can do with X. Q is questionable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, I would say that Z is probably... Uh, bad. I mean, not, I will, I will be honest. It's a little bit selfish of me to say that Z is, it needs to be gone specifically because I get confused between like Z's and S's so very often, like authorized, like, is it a Z? Is it an S? Like there's, there's not on if you're British. It it does. Uh, so I, I think that Z could be gone and we wouldn't miss it. Um, I would say, Pick one. I would say let, let's get rid of C or K, one of the two, because I, I'm you, with you. You don't really need both. What else we got? Uh, I mean, Greek originally didn't have H. So my my only concern with that is that then how would you how would you mimic the ch specifically? Like like sh. I think you know you can do T I A like that. That is probably fine. You know we can we can mimic a sh without an H. But the, the ch, I think, it's a little tougher. We're just going to have to use two eyes, and then we'll put them in angles. <laughs> okay, all right. So that they cross each other. I mean, I, I think we're, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So may, I, I think maybe H needs to stay. I would say we could throw out either M or N, just pick one of the two, because they cause so many problems. Like, whenever you're repeating, like, your VIN number to, you know, to like insurance companies or something like that. So you're, you're, you're going to have to spend so much time clarifying which one you mean M or N that, uh, one of them needs to go. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that's going to make the word mnemonic, uh, relatively difficult, but I think we'll be all right. (laughs) Why'd you have to come up with the one example (laughs) that would make it not work? God. All right, so we'll, we'll spitball it, but I mean, what what do you think? I, I would say we could get easily an 80% reduction in alphabetical 
complexity. Yeah, I mean, we could we could probably reduce it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a twenty eighty twenty. We'll keep eighty and cut maybe twenty. But I'm I'm naturally conservative in that way. But I think even a twenty percent reduction in in you know alphabetic weight would uh, would assist us. I don't know what alphabetic weight is. But you know the number of letters that we have in the alphabet. Oh, is I could I guess I could have guessed that by context clues, but honestly, it just felt like you were. You're kind of being condescending and using your your English talk at me. Nope, nope, not a, not a term, but it's a good term because it sounds like it should be a term. <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> what is, that? is that not a real term? No, no. <laughs> you, you fucker! I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just make shit up. <sighs> Do we have any ideas for reordering? Because I'm, I'm thinking we put all the round things together. Uh huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just going to be more visually nice, you know, like the O. We could put that, you know, if we keep the Q, the O and the Q being next to each other, I think would look pretty good. But mm-hmm. we put the pointy things. Pointy things next to each other, for yeah. sure. I mean, to be honest, I would have to see it after all the uh, the extraneous letters were, were removed. But but I, I feel that we could uh, do a mild reshuffling in order to make them more appealing. But we toss out ha- W and then we just put two V's next to each other. No, old no. school. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. I, I think that I think that the, one of the few letters that we added that actually were a good choice was adding W. Um, even though it it I mean just saying W it like yeah I get it it's it's kind of silly. But because uh, it's not two U's, is it? It's Derek? two V's. I know. It is. I know. That's why. Which is which is so weird. Like I don't know why we don't do what other countries do, which is you know, you know double V. Like it is literally double V, but we call it W. I want some linguistics person to to write into the podcast and explain to me why they why we fucked the pooch on that one. Like <laughs> it's so obvious. Why? I mean, did we, we could do it like Canada does Z. Mm-mm. And we'll just Mm-mm. call it wed. No, nope. Sorry, Canada. I love you, but that's fucking dumb. <laughs> just, just carte blanche. You. Every time I hear somebody say Zed, I'm like, you're just trying to be different. You're just trying to, trying to be weird. Good lord. <sighs> Derek, you want to get to an issue from the internet? Ugh. Fine. I you can we can we put a rule that you can no longer pretend to say <laughs> pretend to say words <laughs> that sound like they're actually something in linguistics or English because I we've talked about this before I trust you Frank and I'm a little shaken right now to be honest no malapropisms see I I know that's a word but I don't know if you're using it right and I I can't trust you right now. <laughs> Uh, just get to the issue. Anyway, uh, so this one is entitled, What to Do After I Signed a Blank Sheet of Paper Given to Me by My Manager, by Susan. Last week, my manager called me to sign a warning letter about a small issue that is not my fault and not part of my job description. I refused to sign, and my manager told me to discuss this the next day. The next day, I met with my manager, and after some discussion, she told me, Do not worry. It is not a big deal. Just sign this paper and I will write the warning paragraph later. I have signed a completely blank sheet of paper. Not even a warning form. It is a completely blank piece of paper. Yes, this is the most idiotic and stupid act that anyone could do. Going to go on a limb and say that's that's not true. But um, I have I mean, now realized how dangerous what I did is. I don't know what I should do now. Wow. This is fucked up. <laughs> I can't, so I can't tell if you're being like facetious or. No, no. This is just like, this is indeed buck wild. Like. So, I mean, I, the I, I think the, the obvious. Yes, this is this is wild. Like. I can't imagine anyone doing this for any 
proper reason. Like even if even if you trusted them to then write a proper warning paragraph after the fact, like I I don't think that you should have done this. Do you but trust me, Derek? Of course not. Of course I don't. Like <laughs> So you what you're saying is you're not going to just sign your, your name on a piece of paper and hand it to me. No, no, clearly not. I mean, especially not you, because for all I, for all I know, you're going to like do some sort of like cult style contract that, uh, you know, I don't know, signs away my mortal soul, which, you know, I, I know you are, or, or my Kia soul, which I do have now. I actually did buy a Kia soul. So that would be that would be even worse. Like like <laughs> you threaten my you soul, using your soul and then you but threaten I guess... my Kia soul. <laughs> I'm gonna get me that new hatchback crossover. I don't even know what the fuck those things are supposed to be, man. It is a a subcompact hatchback. Thank you very much. And no, <laughs> by both meanings of the word, you cannot have my soul. So uh, and I, I mean. Maybe you could sign up for a gym membership, um, and kind of kind of burn me that way. But I I don't know. I there's nothing good that I would trust you with my signature with. But the thing is, like, we live in an age where where you can photocopy a signature so easily and apply it to pretty much anything. Like I, I like I said, I know this is stupid, but I'm not saying that that like they couldn't. All the nefarious things, they wouldn't need you to actually sign the piece of paper in order to commit most of them. <laughs> if they're committing fraud, if they're committing some sort of you know fraudulent activity, they can do it without you literally signing a blank piece of paper. But don't you realize, Derek, that when you actually sign your name onto something, that's putting a little bit of your soul into it? I guess technically, yes. <laughs> so are you saying it is... It's not the signature it's itself. It's the the small amount of soul that is imparted onto the paper. By exactly. Signing. And so what this person needs to do is they need to keep just signing blank pieces of paper over and over and over again until they get a Kia subcompact hatchback. <laughs> what? Wait, what? If you okay, take a I'm little not bit sure of soul over and over and over again, then eventually you have to add up to a whole soul. I mean, sure, but like, but it's it's not like you are creating pieces of soul. You are imparting pieces of soul onto this paper. So, are you saying that you are you are literally giving up your your soul to have a Kia soul? I thought that's how the whole Kia thing worked, Derek. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, going to the dealership and talking to them and and coming out with a great amount of debt. Like, yes, I do feel that I did leave uh, my soul in their hands, but... I mean, the light's been out of your eyes for a little while now, so I I just figured that's how you did it. No, that's because... I don't know. I don't buy new cars, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the light being out of my eyes has nothing to do with my soul. It's it's about it's about the diet, but... But, but no, um... So I mean I what I was thinking is that yes you're right I think that that the imparting a piece of the soul onto the paper is an important component to this uh, so because you would not sign the warning paragraph I believe that they are they are wanting this this small piece of soul that they can then um, maybe like tear off uh, your signature from the paper and roll it up and like I don't know maybe create a voodoo doll with it or something. Um, mm, some yeah. sort of cult-based magic. That's what this is, definitely. So what what should they be on the lookout for? Because I feel like people stabbing voodoo dolls with pens a little bit played out. What what should they be on the lookout for to to know and confirm that this is indeed some sort of a cult-based ritualistic thing? Well, I mean. I've been sick on and off for the last three months, and I'm realizing that I, too, signed a blank sheet of paper a few months ago. And I think what's going on is someone has rolled that up and put it into a voodoo doll, Uh huh. and they're just rubbing it on bathroom <laughs> doorknobs. <laughs> I, I think you are exactly right. <laughs> 
and and honestly, that's that's what I was thinking. That they they gave this voodoo doll a uh, Frank signature repository, uh, not repository, suppository, um, and they've just been rubbing this uh, on all the doorknobs, um, on you know maybe some toilet seats, which that that imparts some 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 sort of matter that we don't necessarily want on our clean voodoo dolls. Um, we want germs, not particulates. So mostly doorknobs, um, door handles, like for, uh, the refrigerator, things like that. Yeah. Those are pretty filthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but take them in the movie theaters a lot and <laughs> just, just kind of throw them through the air a little bit to catch all of the, that floating particulate or, or floating, uh, uh, microbes that people are ejecting all the time. Yeah. I mean, you just hold it out in front of you, you look at it, and you're like, you deserve this. And then you drop the voodoo doll onto the theater floor. Oh, That's man. the worst floor. Oh. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, this person is uh, is sitting, you know, like, on their, you know, just on the couch at home, and uh, all of a sudden, they just feel sticky all over. Yeah. <laughs> They're just sticky forever. It's like, oh, God. Oh my god! I think you have solved it. Like, that's the worst punishment. Like getting stabbed by pins. Fuck that. That's you know. Ooh, ow, ow. That hurt. Fine, whatever. Somebody making me eternally and un- inexplicably sticky. <laughs> maybe, maybe the worst, the worst thing I can imagine. Like, because <laughs> I you know being sticky or being. Uh, I, I don't know, like mo- moisture level and stickiness level is something I, I very closely monitor. So this could be a nightmare for me. Oh yeah. No, I, it, this is the worst possible. Oh no. Oh no. This is so, okay. So now that we know, now that we know what they're going to do, uh, something has to be done to stop it. What can they do? To stop this before it happens. I mean, the only thing that you can do is have a hoodoo battle. So, I mean, uh, do they? I don't think this per this that this person's boss would be foolish enough to then turn around and sign a blank piece of paper that Susan had offered them. Uh, so, how can they get that piece of soul that they're going to need to uh, to do the hoodoo battle? I mean, you're going to have to form some sort of gree-gree. And I of think... what? A talisman. Ah, okay. Sure. You know, a focus for sympathetic magic. <laughs> sure. As one does, Derek. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're, you're, the, you're the professional here. I'll, I'll follow your lead. They're going to need some, like, hair clippings or nail clippings. Okay. A good a good source for this is if if they have a comb or a brush in their office, you can just go in and lift some. Uh huh. Yeah. And then it's it's whoever is going to take their their you know imbued voodoo doll and drop it on the theater floor first. <laughs> so so it is it is imperative that you that you act fast. And, so, and you have to be ruthless because this person is probably going to start slow. You know, they're gonna they're gonna rub it on a couple of doorknobs and and just gauge things. You're just gonna have to go all out and go yeah, straight mean, it, to it, the theater. Yeah, because if you start feeling uh, the tickle in the back of your throat from being, you know, that the beginning of a sickness, uh, that means they're escalating, and it's already started. It's already started, so you you have no time to waste. Um. You're going to have to go right to see Alita Battle Angel at the Dollar (laughs) Theater. I was going to ask what movie they should go see for this purpose. I think that would be the best one. I think it is because you will in no way be be distracted by what's going on on the screen (laughs) at all. No risk. 
And the Dollar Theater is the one that's most regularly cleaned and has got the best in (laughs) terms of sanitary seats. You know, I didn't even think about that. Like, the only thing I thought about was like, it's like, yeah, that's a good choice of movie, good choice of theater, so it won't be expensive. Uh, (laughs) But your reasoning behind it is is far superior, but but far more nefarious. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure those floors still have some new Coke on them. Some crystal Pepsi. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. Oof. So yeah, I mean, you take that that uh you take that talisman. What'd you call it? A Grigri? Yeah. Grigri. Go go get Cray Cray with that Grigri and throw it directly onto the dollar theater floor. Wanna punch the clock, Derek? I I'm I believe we need to because I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to worry. <laughs> and and I, I don't want to obsess about it, but I am concerned that, that you that at some point I have signed something for you that that you are, are saving in, in escrow for for when I get too uppity and you will make you will make my own my own grigri and throw me on a floor to get sticky and I'm not sure if I should be proactive and, and, and beat you to the punch, but... Don't worry. Don't worry, Derek. I wouldn't do anything like that to you. But you kind of would. Be honest. I mean, maybe not like right now since we're actively recording a podcast, but like there's there's a whole lot of time throughout the week that we're not recording a podcast. That, that me being sticky could be a, a positive thing for you. That sounds really weird when you say it like that. I was going to say, Derek, I'm starting to get uncomfortable with. <laughs> Just, I can, I can imagine that it is, it is a boon for you to know that somewhere, somehow, Derek Lewis is sticky. Like, <laughs> that's not weird. It's just practical. <laughs> Man, I wish I was well. <laughs> See, what you don't know is that. I have, you have signed something for me, and you I have been, <laughs> I've been rubbing all the doorknobs with your, your tiny little Frank Eastman face. Uh, boy, boy, that's weird to say too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Before we go, please send us your questions. Um, we, we love the questions. We want to make much funny from them. Some funny from them. Um, <laughs> A socially acceptable amount of funny. (laughs) Yes, an acceptable amount of funny. And we can't do that if we don't have them. So think of that funny life or uh, work-related story or question and send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash WLICast and become a patron. In addition to supporting us as creators, you will also get some cool WLI swag to impress your coworkers with. Also, check out our website at WLICast.com, where you'll find links to our social media, merch store, and work-life imbalance-related news. And please, do us a solid and tell someone you know about the show. Getting more listeners and growing our audience will only mean good things, so please, do your part and spread the word. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm the ever-sticky Derek Lewis. And with that... I think we're going to have to transfer you. Hi, I'm Derek Lewis, and I am constantly sticky. Do you find yourself constantly sticky? Do you have inexplicable pains in your stomach? At any point, have you found yourself throwing up cherry pits uncontrollably? (laughs) Then you too may be the focus of dark voodoo.